Strategic Hot Box with Dr. Brandy Love Stankovic. Discussing leadership, business, and how to take control of your life and achieve greatness. From the streets of Las Vegas, energized, informed, and never diluted. It's time to kick some ass. Box. It's your girl, Dr. Brandy Stankovic. Excited to be here with you today. Today's episode is going to be about misunderstanding Muslims. And I have my good friend here with us live from the United Kingdom, Roxana Koser. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about what this all means. And as you know, here on the Hot Box, we learn, we love, and we kick some ass. And throughout our time on the Hot Box, we've dug into so many different topics. We've talked about diversity and inclusion. We've talked about equity. We've talked about how this plays out in leadership. And 2020 has brought urgency to the importance of addressing a lot of these challenges. And so this topic allows us to continue to build on these efforts and continue to build on these learnings. Now, when I started my research, when I started this topic, I thought I need to, to go to the top. I need to start at the beginning and get some really basic understanding. So for those of you that already know some of this information, please just bear with me. And for those of you that might have been in the same boat as me and needed a little bit more of the basics or some understanding 101, then here you go. But Muslims are people who follow the practice of Islam. And Islam is, in, uh, is, is a religion in the basic sense, and it's an Abrahamic religion, which is a descent of Judaism, and it's monotheistic. So that means that it's a belief in one God. So Muslims are people that follow the practice of the religion of Islam. Okay, so that is my understanding anyway, and we'll certainly get a clarification from Roxana when she comes on as our subject matter expert. Now, there are many misunderstandings in the perceptions of Islam, the faith that Muslims practice. Now, we have a quote, or we, uh, in some of that research, Glenn Brock, the senior director of DocuSign, shares that a key component of the faith that's emphasized in the Quran is about the importance of taking care of those in need. And he believes that there's a beautiful side of Islam that's often lost due to the political climate and the areas that the media focuses on. And just like any naive judgment that people have or ignorance that we might have, that when people don't know, they assume. And I, in doing some quick Google searching, you know, before our podcast today, there are 1.8 billion people on the planet. That's like 24% of the population of the planet that are practicing Islam. So this isn't just a few individuals. This is about a quarter of the population. And so how is it that all of us can better understand, better support, better get to know our friends, our families, our neighbors, and, and be able to love one another even more? So as we create a more inclusive and equitable environment in our workplaces, in our backyards, then let's get to know our Muslim colleagues as well. And we have an incredible guest with us today who has shown many aspects of her faith and how she works within that faith. And I'd like to formally introduce you now to our guest. We have Roxana Coaster with us today. And like I said, coming at us today from the United Kingdom. So thank you very much. She is a member service advisor at Calderdale 
Yale Credit Union. She is a CU Futures and been recognized as a rock star in her field. She's a member of the YCUP, the World Young Credit Union Professionals. She's also part of the Association's Young Professional Network. And she's a, a wife and proud mom of two amazing kids and a beautiful advocate and leader who loves to share about being Muslim and what that means. So hello to Roxana, how are you? Hi. I'm fine, how are you? Good. Oh, don't be nervous here. It's just me and you chatting. And I feel like it's been forever ago now, but I was just with you before all, you know, heck broke loose on the planet this year. Yeah, it was an amazing week and I can't forget it. It, it, it was just such a good learning experience for somebody like me, um, venturing out, meeting new people. It, it was amazing before coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that's watching or listening to us, um, Roxana and I are have a difference in height, right? So we're maybe a foot apart in height or something. And so we ran for the tube a few times together <laughs> and we were late for trains and things. And, and Roxana's a champ, man. She was, she was picking it up and running alongside and we were making, we, we uh, made a few trains together nonetheless, right? We, we did it. We did it, and I am so glad that I've been working from home because I've not worked that much in a very long time. I, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Happy to be working uh, from the sofa. I tell you. Uh, so first, I'd love to for you to tell us a little bit about you and what inspired you to be the leader that you are today. So you said it in a nutshell. I am a proud mother of two beautiful children and a wife. Um, and I work as a member service advisor, so a young professional within the credit union movement, really proud to be working and looking after two young children in the current climate that we're in. It's so hard to be able to do that. Um, and what inspired me, inspired, I was, I'm not going to lie, I don't want to say, you know, I had a dream and I was inspired by something that I saw. I was actually inspired by the CU Futures programme and seeing how other people really wanted young people to achieve and that was the point that I thought we've got so much you know so much riding on young professionals within the credit union movement and if an experienced CEO or a manager or just somebody a volunteer is saying that we want young people then why am I why can't I do it why can't I push myself and thrive to become a future leader and that's how I got into leadership but um, I'm a really good mother and I like to kick asses as you call it and me personally as well just being the the leader at home um, yeah so just a, a various different things but definitely that CU Futures program has changed my life for the better. Well, I think it's amazing that there was a program that was there in the industry in which you work that created that path or allowed for that inspiration to be there to to have your leadership bloom in that way. And how has your faith impacted your leadership? It hasn't. I have to say, um, when I started working at the credit union, it was just going into the office, doing a nine-five job, coming home, looking after two children. And when I did the CU Futures programme, I was worried about what people would think of me travelling or what society will think. And then 
I have such, and I, I never say this, and he better be proud when I say, yeah, I've got such a supporting husband um, <laughs> who said that don't let that get in the way. Don't let anything get in the way of you wanting to achieve what you want to achieve. And I got married young. I got married at the age of 17. I, I don't regret it at all. I've got two lovely children. Managed to get on the property ladder, which I feel that so, some people can't do that, and that's fine. But um, culturally, it was the right thing to do. Religiously, it was the right thing to do, getting married, and I've done that. And I said to my husband, I said, I've done everything that I needed to do. We've got two beautiful children, and now it's my time to be able to go out and do everything within my faith. I've never compromised on my religion when I've gone out. Um, you met me in London, and... Um, you know, you would have noticed that I didn't shake any hands. And that was such a, a big, a big deal for me to say, I'm not going to, I'm sorry, because of my religious reasons, I can't shake your hand and little things like that. But it's never stopped me. If anything, it's thrived. It's pushed me more to be able mm -hmm. to go out because I know that I've, I've got the, the core values and the religious mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe a sense of security to think that, well, I've, I've got a husband that supports me and he wouldn't, you know, he, he says, go out and do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Why should I let my religion stop me from doing something when I can do it? Right. And please forgive me if it's naive or if it's just a lack of awareness on my part, but you mentioned um, fulfilling some of the standards of, of religion and faith and culture and that being starting your family and getting married. Is it common amongst people within your culture and religion to get married at a young age and start families at a young age? Um, not generally. Um, some people, I, we have a, a family member that won't get married. You know, she she hasn't got married yet and she's well into her 30s. I got married at a young age, um, but my, my younger sister got married when she was in her mid-20s. So it, it varies. And I think my parents were, I think we have the, the misconception when it comes to religious and misunderstanding Muslims is that young girls are married very quickly and they've got to start a family and they've got to, you know, um, cook and clean. And there's so many things that, that get misinterpreted and you please don't apologize for asking it because if until you, somebody doesn't ask you wouldn't know i got married at 17 because my parents said you know there's 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 somebody that we would love for you to to meet and get married and i, I was talking to him for two years before i got married and you know we've been married for 14 years Having young children while I was younger, it benefited me because now I can go out and do what I want to do. They're growing mm -hmm. with me. Um, but there are some some people, rightly so, that haven't got married for whatever reason well in, mm -hmm. into their 30s, 40s, and that's absolutely fine. And I think we, as a, as, as a society, we forget to differentiate between what, a culture, what our culture is and what our religion is and I think it's so important that anybody that's got questions to ask us you know say is this a religious thing you're doing or you know is it because of your culture because I know I got asked those questions mm -hmm. and it was so easy to answer and once I've answered those questions that misconception has uh, has gone mm -hmm. and so the the what is then where does the difference lie and i from a big 
picture standpoint, religion is a part of culture of a people, right? It's one of the many factors that that falls into a culture. And then I'd imagine there's subcultures within a shared religion that many people may may practice. Where does that difference lie for you? Um, for me, it's see, culture can be misinterpreted. So. Mm -hmm. My, you know, culturally, we're from Pakistan. My parents are from Pakistan. My grandparents, and where we where we go wrong is that we sometimes put too much emphasis on what you see. So if you see somebody wearing, I'm wearing um, a maxi dress today, and um, somebody sat next to me might be wearing salwar kameez, which is the traditional Asian outfits that we would wear in Pakistan um little things like that it's so important to be able to differentiate for me because i know for for me for example when i was growing up i was told that you know we were able to wear what we wanted to wear until we were old enough and then my parents said can you please you know would you be willing to wear salvar kameez for example and we it was just a natural progression we didn't think anything of it islamically uh the only you know the, it's really simple and it's such an easy faith to follow if you really break it down it's so mm -hmm. simple a woman should be covered from head to toe that's it it's some people say well i'll wear tight leggings or i'll wear you know a, a, a nice top and that's fine if you have if you said that that's your real if you believe that's your belief that's absolutely fine for me i'm covered from head to toe it doesn't mean that you know if i went into Saudi Arabia, for example, I'd be looked down upon. Mm. But if I went to Pakistan, they'd be like, oh, she's not wearing silver kameez because that's the culture there. That's what you would wear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, uh, so thank you for, for sharing that. And I imagine there is different interpretations of different families and and the strength of of the adherence to some of those rules or even the interpretation of of the rules or etiquette in regard to that do you ever feel misunderstood by people that practice a different religion or or practice it or part of a different culture do you know it's um i did feel misunderstood when i was younger so going back maybe five even six years ago I say younger, slightly younger. Um, I was missing. I, I was. I don't think I was misunderstood in the sense that it was to do with me personally. I think it was more the sense that that there was no integration between certain certain cultures and certain religions. So, I went to a um, a multicultural school. Some people didn't. Um, I remember. At a certain workplace where I was working, I'd only been there a week, and um, bless bless this lady, she she came up behind me and she said a, she said a, she said a naughty word, and um, she she came up to me and apologised straight away, and I said you don't need to apologise, and I turned around and said you know I so and so swear as well. I said I'm British, I I, I do know the languages. You don't need to apologise. Why it? Why have you apologised to me? She said, oh, it's because you wear a headscarf. And mm. that put, it, it made me sad. It made me really sad to think that somebody has apologised to me because of a headscarf. I was just misunderstood because of a piece of cloth on my on my head. Um, and I wish that 
as a society we move away from it and we are more integrated because um my mum came into this country 35 years ago and she was um misunderstood she got told she needed to integrate into society but when i meet people from other faiths and other religions other backgrounds i realize that i've integrated my mum's integrated into society so how come you haven't integrated with us and it's sad it's sad that i'm having to ask these questions after 35 years of my mum trying really hard and bless her she's bought five of us up she's mm -hmm. done a, an amazing job she's got you know she's been working um she she really has inspired me to be who i am today um and I, I wish, I hope that when my daughter is my age, she's not misunderstood the way the way I was only five years ago. It, it, it's not mm. been a long time. Just five years of being misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. And it's, a, it's amazing to me in different cultures and uh, it, it happens a lot in the United States as well. And you hear about different generations when families have immigrated to the United States that they were asked to assimilate or integrate uh, more assertively. And some different generations didn't adhere, didn't even speak uh, the, their native languages any longer or pass that along to the different generations. Or some refused to speak English in different, I mean, different ways, different families have, have dealt with it in different ways and it's it's such a struggle and i agree with you i wish we would just allow people to live their culture while being in it together and to just learn about one another together and i think the, the religion is something that you you take with you i hold my faith very close to my heart and everything that i do from waking up in the morning to how i raise my children to how i go to work how i communicate with other professionals within within the credit union movement i i have that core but as a culture it's so important that we instill it into our children regardless of where you're from I want my children to know where they come from. I want them to know that just because we live in the United Kingdom, these are this is our culture and I want them to take that forward. And the worst thing for me as a parent would be, you know, for for generations to come for that culture to be lost because we shouldn't have to lose what's important to us. We shouldn't have to adjust to such a way into society where where we're not regarded or our culture is not thought about we should be able to have the best of both i should be able to have a fish and chips and an ice cream you know on a sunday evening and an afternoon but then also be able to cook a curry it's so important that we instill those just not instill you know even if my children didn't want to have fish and chips and they wanted to have uh, curry and rice every day that's absolutely fine but then i would want other other people to understand that that that's just the culture that that's all mm -hmm. it is it's not it's not my child's faith or it's not my faith um right. i can eat whatever i want as long as it's halal but um <laughs> it, you know just just little things like that just keep keep what's true to you just keep hold of that value and take it forward yeah and you said you mentioned about uh, shaking hands and that is a very western culture you know a gesture of sorts do you ever find that people impose or try to force their 
their gestures, beliefs on onto you or question some of the beliefs that you have? No, no, I am so, I feel so lucky to be living, we live in Halifax, it's a small town and I have never come across anyone that has forced me to do anything. I, you know, I will, if somebody came up to me, I remember meeting Zach actually um, in London for the first time. And the first thing I said to, it, to, to him was, I'm really sorry, I can't shake your hand. And uh, for religious reasons. And I said it, that was the first thing I said to him, I think. And after that, it, it, he was fine with it. He didn't say, well, no, you have to shake my hand. Um, <laughs> I've never come across anyone that's ever imposed their religion or or their culture and say well no we shake hands so you have to shake your hand i would refuse i would walk away i'd say no i'm you know my religion is is my religion and if you can't accept me for that then why should i be in your company but i'm so blessed i am so blessed to to be able to move around the uk so far without having anything imposed on me or i'm gonna say to not be made feel bad but I have had experiences recently since corona it's been uh, we've had two instances where it's been horrible but um, generally speaking no we're very lucky very lucky indeed are you comfortable or in a place where you could tell us a little bit about those stories and don't worry if, if not of course I love sharing this story so um corona happened as you're aware, mm -hmm. and we went to the local supermarket after four weeks. I took my mum out. Um, no, actually, I'd gone after four weeks. My mum had, she left the house after eight weeks because she was petrified. And I was with my sister-in-law and my mum, and we stood in the car park because there was a queuing system. And this, um, please let me know if you're offended, but um, old white man came charging up towards us. And we would have been in, you know, a queue of about 50 people in the car park in public and he started shouting Arabic at us and for a minute I, I, I got really scared I thought oh my god he's about to smack me and he was walking straight up to our face about this close and then he, he burst into laughter I thought wow you know you've not been out for a little while and this is what you've turned into and part of me really wanted to turn around and say no that's not right but he laughed in our face went to the the young couple behind us and said they don't know what i said but i've just i've just oh. read the quran out to him and i thought but if i shouted the bible at you i would have probably been tackled to the floor we would have been <laughs> arrested you know i would have been put into put into prison for it or something and i was gobsmacked at how living in 2020 somebody thinks it's okay to shout mm -hmm. something it, it's just islamophobia and first yeah. you know i, I was shaking I, I was scared i was actually I'm scared sorry. and my poor mom she said can we go up get back in the car we need to go home and i said no mom, after we're eight stand weeks here. she finally goes to the grocery store and then something like this happens my gosh and she said oh don't argue back and I was very close to turning around and saying, no, I am going to argue back, mom, because it's not fair. Why should we have to be, why should we have to endure something like this? It's completely uncalled for. Um, and I'm never going to see that man again. He was very proud of himself. I held my head high. We carried on shopping and, and it was absolutely fine. Um, 
misunderstood because of the way we're dressed. Uh, we have to wear face masks now. And this is the second incidence, again, at another, another supermarket. Um, we, my mum and I were looking at cardigans and um, I said to my mum, she suffers from asthma. So I said, look, move your face covering down a little bit. There's nobody around. Breathe and then you can put it back on. And again, a couple walked past and the lady shouted, no masks, no masks. And I thought, do you know, like in America at the minute, you've got the Karens. She was a Karen. That's the best way to describe her. She was a complete Karen. She, she, she literally shouted, she was, no masks. And I thought, oh my God, it's a mask, please. And I turned around and said, just shut up. Just calm down because my face was covered. And I thought, how do you know what somebody's going through? Why would you do right. that? We went, we, we started the grocery shop and I said, mom, look, you got worried for no reason. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody's wearing right. one. You've got your face covered. You took it down for literally 30 mm -hmm. seconds. Right. And you were abused. And I think they thought that we wouldn't react, um, you know, to Muslim women, or uh, maybe not even because we were Muslim, just because we were Asian, a different colour. Let's just shout abuse at. And she walked away and they were laughing. And I thought, wow, you know, I would never do that to somebody. I would never shout no mask. I would never shout, you know, verses from the Bible, even if I knew it. it, it it's just mm -hmm. uncalled for. And it's sad. It's sad that we're living in 2020, you know, the Black Lives Movement, the Black Lives Matter movement that's been going on in the USA. It's so sad that people are still subject to that kind of abuse. It's sad that Muslims are being tainted all with the same brush because of actions of a few. Um, but I hope, I hope that I, you know, even one person who's misunderstood a Muslim watches this and, mm -hmm. and changes their mind and just says hello and just says, yeah, do you know what? They're all right, actually. They're not that bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hope so, too. And I think that if anything, you're the perfect individual to create oh. that openness and create that conversation mm -hmm. and i do know that there's opportunity to continue the conversation and continue to learn and one of the things that spawned our having this conversation on the podcast is we were chatting about is it okay to ask questions and is it okay to to be curious because if we haven't as humans been exposed to another culture whether it's a muslim culture whether it's any sort of uh, a group that's different than than us, whatever that the human is that's that's in that frame, then ask, then be there to be curious, because the more that we know, the more that we can offer the support and love that we should. So speaking of that, what can we do to, what can people do to support or respect those within the Muslim faith? Just, just talk to us. Just talk, just treat us as you would your friend or your neighbour next door. We're very polite. We cook a really good curry, you know, we feed your Lord. No, and, and, and more than that, we are, we, you know, we're just, we are peaceful. We're Muslim. The, the faith is a peaceful, Islam is just peace. That's all it means. And it's so sad that, you know, I don't get asked any questions and I thrive when I'm, asked, when I'm asked something because I feel like if I can help you understand what why I wear the headscarf, for example, or why my husband is with me when I'm on an overnight stay or why he was in London for a week with me, 
then that's you know that's helping somebody else understand and likewise if i've got a question i want to be able to to be able to just ask just put it on facebook and ask a question without feeling like i should know the answer because nobody's born with the knowledge are there nobody mm -hmm. is born with the knowledge of every faith it's not happened it's never going to happen but just ask us a question if you see us smile because we are smiling <laughs> under the face coverings we are <laughs> smiling under the face mask it's really simple but for me personally just just email me message me just ask any muslim that you see you know we're all the same we're humanity is a race as well and we're all the same mm -hmm. yeah can you share a, a a funny story to kind of close this out you shared a couple of kind of uh hard difficult challenge stories do you have a funny story to share i was um i, I was thinking about this um all day yesterday and all day today as well and um i wanted to share how i got into the credit union movement because i will be a leader one day that's for sure i won't let that pass by but um i it you 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 probably will laugh but i when somebody asks me i always say i forced my way into the credit union i was stood outside with my children who wanted sweets from a shop and i was waiting for my husband to give me some cash because i wasn't working at the time and two toddlers it was a nightmare and I thought I need to get away. And you know, when you just feel a bit, a little bit like I should just look for a job because otherwise I'm going to go mad with two two children under the age of two. And I walked straight into the credit union. The office had only just been opened there, and um, prominent place in Halifax. So I walked in and I said, "Have you got any jobs?" And they said, "Well, yeah, you could send your CV through." And um, and I remember just pestering, just pestering, ringing up every other day. I'm like, I know they need somebody, but will they employ me? I'm like literally ringing every day. Um, so have you got a job available? Can I come for an interview? Can I come for just voluntary work? I'll come for a few hours and I'll go. Um, but I always say I force my way into the credit union and I'm not leaving. The Young Professionals oh, Network is amazing as well. Um, and I think every time I think, right, okay, I need to, maybe step away and do something you know just maybe look after the children for a little while and give them some more time before they grow up and they don't want to know me anymore um but mm -hmm. then we'll get a message for the young professionals network committee or you know the global youth summit came about and i thought well no there's too many interesting things going on within the credit union movement at the moment um and i don't want to stop i don't want to i don't <laughs> want to leave that um so yeah I, i'm I'm sticking by, um, and that's my funny story. That's how I started. I love it. I love it. I love the perseverance and the grit and and all that. <laughs> Push your way in there, girl. I think that's exactly how you should do it. So, so bold action item takeaway is it to ask and to ask questions? It is to ask questions, and more so, I think for me personally, on a personal note, I get very nervous. So something like this, I would never have never thought that it would happen you know an opportunity comes about but i tend to see an opportunity and then talk myself out of it that's my bold action i'm going to take away is to kick ass and just say well do you know what yeah i am good enough i am going to do something and one day i will become a leader 
Awesome. Yes, you will. And we will uh, be here watching you and your amazingness every step of the way. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being part of the podcast today. We appreciate you and you sharing your story with us. Thank you, uh, Roxana. Hope to see you. you soon. Thank you. you Let's head too. out to the shout out. Hi, it's Luke. I'm the girl here. I'm from First Class Credit Union. I'm here on the London Eye. And you're listening to Brandy on the Hotbox. Thank you to Roxanne and thank you to Luke from Scotland for giving us that shout out. And maybe you didn't understand a word that he said because that's, I mean, you gotta love that Scottish language, Scottish English. Uh, but thank you very much, Luke, for sending us a shout out. And thank you again to Roxanne. As we learn to be a better ally, here are three top or top three kick-ass on learning how to be a better ally when it comes to misunderstanding Muslims. First is ask questions. Roxana said it, we talked about it quite a bit. If you don't know, then let's ask. Number two is to think outside of the culture, of our own culture. Again, if there may, we don't, we'd be better to not misunderstand and to understand and learn and grow and ask more questions. And number three is to love your neighbor and to choose love. That's your top three kick-ass. Thank you again to Roxana for sharing her heart with us today and to Luke for the shout out. We appreciate talking about such important topics like this one and being with all of you uh, here at the Hotbox. And of course, hit us up, strategichotbox.com or Facebook, Twitter, you know where to find us. Until I see you again, get out there and kick some ass.